खापकाये चधर्मस्या सर्वधर्मस्वरूपिने अवतार वरिष्ठाय रामकृष्णायते नमः So, Sri Ramakrishna, a living commentary on the scriptures. Swami Vivekananda emphatically stated that the eternal scriptures of the Sanatana Dharma, namely the Vedas, has to be studied, have to be studied, interpreted and understood in the life and the teachings of Sri Ramakrishna. To quote his own words, therefore no one has the power to understand the Vedas and the Vedanta unless they are read in the light of Sri Ramakrishna's utterances and seen through the medium of his life. That is to say, the Vedas and other scriptures were so long hidden in the darkness of ignorance and the light of Sri Ramakrishna has revealed them again. New light is coming from the ancient eternal Shastras. We shall have to gather their significance through the microscope of the life of Sri Ramakrishna. So that's what we are trying to do today. So in the light of this profound utterances of Swami Vivekananda. Today's topic which we have kept for the discussion is Sri Ramakrishna's life and teaching, a living commentary on the scriptures. So for any scripture, because we with our limited understanding, it is very difficult to understand the sublime scriptures, the profound scriptures, because there will be, it is bound to be a gap in our understanding. Because the scriptures has been pronounced by the realized rishis from a state of awareness which is not the state of awareness of the ordinary existence. It is much higher, much sublime. And unless we are uplifted to that level of awareness, to understand the real purport of the scriptures become almost impossible. So the lives becomes the living commentary. The scriptures becomes enlivened by the lives of the realized souls, by the prophets, by the avatars. The scriptures are like some, the chips of the computer. You can just give an example. The computer chip appears to be like a dead log wood. And what all potentiality it has, we cannot even realize it, we cannot even measure it till the bias voltage passes through it and the world of virtual reality opens up in front of you. 
So this will, it needs a life to really enliven the so-called the words of the scriptures. In the life of Sri Ramakrishna, we find that one day Naren, as a young boy, the future Swami Vivekananda, he was in Dakshineshwar. And Sri Ramakrishna asked him to bring a almanac which was just lying near him, to bring it near him and asked him to open the page of a particular month to see the forecast. And in the forecast it is written that there is going to be heavy rain on that month. And now Sri Ramakrishna asks Naren, take the almanac and squeeze it. Naren was very much surprised why he has been asked to squeeze the almanac. So when Naren was trying to squeeze it, Sri Ramakrishna asked, why? How many drops of water do you get? It has, it has mentioned that you are going to get profound rain. But un, if it doesn't have the power to give you even a single drop of water, it is mere some written words in the book. It has as such no implication in our day-to-day -day life. So the life of these prophets is something which is very important to us because through that the scripture gets enlivened. If we try to understand the life, the scripture's meaning gets deciphered to its real context. And that's what we will be trying to do today. So, in the life, the basic tenets of Sri Ramakrishna's life, as unfolded from his childhood, we will try to understand with the help of few incidences in his life. Now, as a child, we find that he developed he was having a extremely developed faculty of awe. Seeing the nature, when he is uh, as a boy in the village, just the beauty of the nature would make him awestruck. And because of that faculty of awe, he will get a tremendous focus. And even as a small child, he went into that state of samadhi just by observing the nature. So you all, those who have studied the life of Ramakrishna, you know that incident that as a young boy, he was passing through the paddy fields and he was having some puffed rice in his hand and he was just popping the puffed rice and was passing and it was the sky suddenly became very dark with black clouds and as he was observing the sky that dark sky suddenly he saw some white swans flying across the sky that white swans in the background of that peach dark clouds immediately made him something like awestruck that sublime beauty that's white swans flying in that background of that uh, black clouds he got so absorbed so focused he suddenly that all the puffed rice fell off and he fell down on the ground unconscious oblivious to the surrounding it made his parents especially the mother very much concerned that most probably 
he has the sickness of getting fits no one understood the real state of his mind that that all being awestruck by the beauty of the nature it focuses his mind to such an extent that it goes into that state of samadhi where the world falls off it's in deep contemplation which gives him the sense of vastness the sense of an existence beyond all limitations so it is something very important that all the life should be an inspiration to us in the modern days the child gets awe while going to the shopping mall he's we don't know how much he's really exposed to the nature the nature plays a great role in the well-being of our psychology of our psyche and the more we are getting uh acclimatized with this urbanization we are getting cut off from the nature the role the nature has to play in our psychological well-being we have almost lost the significance of it the importance of it the child now gets off there was this off faculty with the toys with this shopping mall and all which mest probably helps him to become more informative more technically skillful but the psychological well-being which happens when that let go ensues because of the feeling of the vastness which is beyond all limitations the faculty of awe is a very important faculty which sometimes we never give any importance to we as a human being can never think ourselves limited as a human being in our scriptures it is mentioned what is the faculty which we have sa anantaya kalpate that something within me is echoing always that you are infinite and we try to realize that infinitude through our physical body that's the ignorance as a human being we have that potentiality to realize that we are already infinite it is only because we are listening to the echo which is coming through the body mind complex we are getting confused leave off the body mind just go to the source of that echo from where that real echo has evolved it is the self and it is because of this ego we all have this faculty of awe we never are satisfied with the limited in the modern science your medicine everywhere it speaks that we are limited we are trying to overcome all our limitations medical science everything your technology everything we cannot fly the plane is there to just conquer the nature the medical science is there to that it always the life says that you are ephemeral you are going to die we want to live long all our endeavor speaks that we want to cross that limitation and that actually speaks of that awe faculty and unless it is nurtured it has to find expression because it is a faculty which has to be nurtured if you don't nurture it it will find expression in sensuousness 
in violence. Very interesting, when Swami Vivekananda was in the West, after a lecture on Advaita Vedanta, someone from the audience stood up and told Swamiji, you speak of Brahman, the ultimate existence, one without the second. But in practice, you are all idolatrous. You worship idols. And Swami Vivekananda laughed and instead of giving a direct answer, he told, why? All are idol, idol worshippers. You are also idol worshippers. And he told, how come? We are not idol worshippers. And what Swami Vivekananda told is something really very remarkable. He just poked a wonderful fun, but it has a tremendous implication. He told, why? You, the young man of America, don't you kneel down in front of a young lady and say you are the, uh, what is it, the angel? Means what? That in the flesh and blood you are seeing something because of that awe faculty which speaks of something beyond flesh and blood. And that is a type of infatuation which happens with all the young one, which speaks of again this awe faculty. In the present day, the terrorism, it has been found that many the so-called terrorists, the general idea is that it is very easy to exploit the poor. The one who has no means of sustenance, there are some funding bodies who will be making those people the victim by saying, you will die in this attempt to terrorize the people, you kill others, you yourself also die, but we will take care of your family. And in extreme poverty, some may resort to that. That was the idea. But it has been found that it's not the truth for all the cases. In many cases, the terrorism is, we find, is coming from the group of people who are called well-established, highly educated, technically advanced. That's why they can think of some mass destruction in a very, very clever way. They are technically skilled. And now the big question marks comes, the how these educated, professionally skilled people, those who have the provision to really establish in life, got involved in such type of ideologies. Again, that awe faculty. From the childhood, as that faculty was never nourished in a positive way, what happens when he grows up, he, whatever what he has to get from this material world, he has got a type of plateau he reaches where the life becomes meaningless and then someone comes and gives an ideology that for the sake of religion, for the sake of God, to establish this kingdom of God here, become his soldier and by sacrificing your life, you get eternal life in heaven. Again you will find it is a faculty of awe which is being used that eternal life in heaven with all sorts of pleasures, happiness, whatever it may be. It gives off the idea of going beyond that limitation. This life becomes fully enjoyable. There is nothing which can restrict your happiness. There is nothing which can annihilate you. And that sense of awe leads you to the destruction. Why it has happened? Because it is always a faculty which has to be nourished. 
if you don't nourish it it is a force which will find direction in some way which is not going to be constructive it is not going to in any way integrate you it is going to disintegrate you it is going to disintegrate the society so we find that how nicely a simple thing that the experience of the awe can take a person to such a state of course for most of us even just a walk just down the trail in some nature we find that how psychologically uplifting it is it, it enters in the well-being but if we are really prepared ragramakrishna that at that type of experience alone is sufficient to transcend the limitations of our worldly existence and take us to some type of spiritual experience so this tremendous focus is the one of the first tenets of spiritual life that in the scriptures they say that drishyate in bhagavad gita it is there tu agraya buddhya that who can really realize the one whose intellect is as sharp as the edge of an arrow as the point of an arrow drishyate tu agraya buddhya so that's the thing with which sri ramakrishna is born that that same the faculty of awe makes his mind so focused the entire world falls off and immediately takes it to a sense of trance now this tremendous focus which what's the result of it just to get the trance no it results in in sanskrit they called medha medha many will be loosely translating as intelligence no it is not just mere intelligence if you have tremendous focus that is the faculty that is the faculty by which you develop medha what is the medha in sanskrit medha has been defined as the capacity to return <coughs> the informations the impressions which are formed in your mind in our life so many experiences we have we have we forget just as you know that in the life in the mahabharata when yaksha asked yudhishthira that what is the most uh, surprising thing in this world yudhishthira's reply was something wonderful that every day we are seeing death in front of us but we think we will be living we'll be living we, we know that we will be dying but we never think we are going to die immediately next day you think yes even in uh, 99 years old man you ask him that are you going to die he may say yes but when maybe maybe still few few more years you never think that death is something which is inevitable is waiting in front of us so this speaks of the lack of medha that sri sri ramakrishna used to say very interesting thing that so all our knowledge doesn't speak of medha we have gathered those information but we can never internalize them he used to say you know that the, what is the condition of the so called educated population of the civil society they appear to be all gentlemen civilized but it is just a mask their education has formed a mask internally all the so called 
negativities are still there to pounce up whenever like a predator whenever the chance may uh, whenever there is a chance and just as Swami Vivekananda used to say it is the policeman which makes us civic we have found in this true in the present world also whenever there is a riot wherever there is a civil disorder even the so-called a gentle person has been found to enter the shop and looting the things when no one is there in guard all our so-called uh, behavior everything is guided by the laws if there is no no law to uh, take away your points while driving just see what reckless driving in two days you will find all the laws have been broken so it is the police it is the laws which keeps us uh, so-called um, gentle uh, integrated otherwise it's bound to fall off Medha speaks of that what's that that as Sri Ramakrishna used to say that with all our education we are flying just like a vulture high up in the sky but our total focus is on the carrion is on the flesh rotten flesh somewhere in the somewhere in the ground somewhere in the garbage is so our with all our education we fly high but our in but our all our focus is all on the sensuous thing so why we have not developed the capacity of medha that this world is after all transient to be attached to this life at last is futile is not going to give us anything this simple truth never gets retained in our mind when Sri Ramakrishna was taken for having a photograph in those days in the studio he went and he was a man of wonderful examples what he saw that there's a photographic plate in the olden days this photographic plate when the photo is taken with that exposure of the light your image is written on that photographic plate seeing that immediately Sri Ramakrishna gave that example that our mind is like that ordinary mirror just to stand in front of the mirror as long as you are standing you can see your image you move out there is no image your image has gone but the man of a spiritually evolved person is like that photographic plate once you are before it you move out it returns it's not gone so that's the medha as Sri Ramakrishna used to say that we all never learn from the experiences of life he used to say the camel thrives on the thorny bushes it bleeds as it will be eating the thorny bushes it bleeds but it will again go on eating the thorny bush we are like that we are the experiences of life never teaches us when someone asks Swami Sharadananda, the disciple of Ramakrishna, that what is life? In one line he gave that answer. Life is nothing but a chain of experiences. What a wonderful answer. It is a chain of experiences, one after the other. And immediately the next question was, what is the aim of life? And again in one word, such a, as one sentence is giving the answer. He is not bringing the concept of God, divinity, spirituality, nothing. What is the aim of life? To learn from those experiences what a wonderful answer we never learn 
Why? Because we don't have that faculty of Medha. Now the fact from where that faculty of Medha develops? It develops from that focus which we saw in Ramakrishna's life. You may say, how? We'll give an example, you will understand. That when you are focused, then what happens in that focused mind you will never forget. To give an example, suppose you are you are just uh, riding, you are just driving a car and suddenly you find that because of the mistake of some other car or some even a truck, you are about to have a head-on collision. The truck came from the other side and just in the last moment somehow both of you stopped with a screeching and you were extremely terrified. But a very interesting thing will happen. That's, that's just a singular event. But throughout your life, there are so many nights you have got nightmare and woke up because that incident suddenly flashed in your mind. The every details of the things which happened in that moment, you will never forget. When someone asks, even in your deathbed, do you remember that? You will say yes. And you will give a very detailed description of what all happened on that day. So many things are happening in our life. We don't remember. But that's the thing you will never forget. Why? Because of our fear of death, that moment, the mind got extremely focused. At that moment. And that impression that was created, you can never forget. So now you will understand that the faculty of Medha is how related with that focus. That the mind, if it is a very focused mind, with a focused mind, whatever impression is gathered, you never forget. That's, a, that's why in the life of Ramakrishna we find as a child, the idea of this impermanence of life, it was something deeply it got imprinted in his mind. And when he found that all the education process, everything is just for mere sustenance, we study scriptures, we become educated, but at last it is just for mere sustenance. It in no way speaks of the overhauling of our personality. It doesn't speak of the evolution, our evolution so as to get established in that spiritual dimension of our existence. So that's why we find at the very childhood Sri Ramakrishna has developed a distaste for the so-called academic education. Whenever someone tried to motivate him for that type of education, he used to say it as bread earning education. Chal Kala Badha Vidya. What is this Chal Kala Badha Vidya? He saw that the priests with all their learning, the Brahmins, they mainly worked as priests or they will go to someone's house, do some rituals, do some worship, as they may officiate as a priest or they may have some religious discussions at last for what the host who have organized that type of uh, event will be just bundling up some rice some vegetables in a piece of cloth and giving it to that brahmin so to get that all his knowledge has been used for nothing else Chal, Kala, Badha, Bitta. So it's very interesting that uh, someone uh, just was relating that 
a student of Calcutta University, that when he went to the university for the first time in the heritage building on the top, he found it's written the center of earning. What has happened? Actually, it was center of learning. The, because of that, uh, you know, that all the rain and other, because of the uh, adverse weather, somehow that L got deleted. The L got damaged. It's not there. So for us, all the centers of learning at last becomes the center of earning, nothing else. That's why it's at the very, very beginning that Medha, the tremendous Medha of Sri Ramakrishna taught him that this type of education is of no avail. As has been spoken of in the Kathopanishad, that scripture, that, that there are two ways in front of us. It is the wise who take the correct path. What are the two paths? Shreyascha Preyascha Manushya Metat Tau Samparitya Vivinakti Dhiraha Shreyohi Dhira Abhi Preyasa Vrinite Preya Manda Yoga Kshamat Vrinite Shreya and Preya. Shreya is the best, the thing which is preferable, and Preya is pleasurable. So these are the two paths open in front of us, the pleasurable and the preferable. Most of us, just to meet the ends meet in our so-called day-to-day life, we just go for the prayer, the pleasurable. It is only the dhira, the calm one, who has that tremendous focus. Nothing can deviate him from that focus. They choose the part of that shreya. And that's we find in the life of Sri Ramakrishna that how his focus results in his tremendous medha and that medha has resulted in viveka. That's power of discrimination. Now the question is that how to have that tremendous focus so as to develop medha. That we may feel that Ramakrishna was born with that type of focus. I don't have. What can I do? If I don't have focus, the question of medha doesn't come. Is there any way I can develop that focus? So again, the sense of necessity and purpose gives us the focus. If you have a sense of purpose, then automatically you are going to develop that focus. In life, whenever you have a sense of purpose, to give an example, that suppose a surgeon is standing in the bus stop, to board the bus and the bus is a bit delayed by 5 minutes, 10 minutes or it's maybe the train it is delayed and he starts feeling uneasy the leg starts aching he may be moving up and down he is not at ease just 5-10 minutes the train is delayed and he is not at ease his body starts aching standing there the same surgeon when he is in the operation theatre and most probably he is conducting some operation or procedure and it may be a complicated one and it may entail lot of hours so seven eight hours he's in the operation theater <coughs> very interesting the same surgeon who was <coughs> not at ease just in five ten minutes as he has to wait in the bus stop or in the railway station he now stands just by the side of the operation uh, table for eight hours 
he forgets hunger he forgets thirst he forgets tiredness everything he has forgotten everything has fallen off because why you know <clears throat> all this this hunger thirst are the distractions which you can get rid of if your mind is focused we have found that when you are watching a tv some important match is going on so you forget your time for lunch dinner everything you forget that focus makes you forget all these bodily feelings what to speak of external distraction now here when the surgeon is the operation theater in the operation theater he's extremely focused the scalpel which is using for the operation he knows a little mistake will be at the cost of the life of the patient he has to be very very accurate very skillful this sense of purpose that i am i cannot just play with a life cannot meddle with a life i have to save that life and that sense of purpose is giving him a tremendous focus which makes making him forget everything else the question is here that in our spiritual journey <coughs> do we have that sense of focus many of us profess to be a spiritual aspirant but do we have that sense of focus as in the words of sri ramakrishna that he used to say that do we really believe in god that by the spiritual attainment we can transcend the so called dualities of life in the form of happiness and suffering all these dualities we can transcend we can have as if an eternal life it is something like a treasure do you really believe if we really believe then could we live the life the way we are living and then he used to give an example suppose in this room there is a locked door and a thief is sitting here and he knows very well that behind that lock is a treasure there are bricks of gold can he sit quietly he will be so restless that when i get the chance somehow to break that lock and enter and get get all the wealth which is there so if we really believe that the to be established in that spiritual dimension of our existence can give us all fulfillment if we really believe that then from that this will give you a tremendous sense of purpose sense of necessity but as we don't have we are almost as good as the atheist we just profess that we really believe in the spiritual dimension of our existence we believe in god or whatever it may be that there is some a dimension of existence in which we can transcend this world of dualities if we have really believed in it we could never have been so satisfied with our life the sense of necessity gives you that tremendous focus that what you say that tremendous concentration from the sense of necessity you have that focus that focus again results in medha that medha results in viveka so these are the things <coughs> which we should be aware of from the life of sri ramakrishna that from the childhood we find that the tremendous yearning was there when even in uh, he was a priest in dakshineshwar he will go and stand in front of that image and say are you just made of stone 
are you brainmai or are you chinmai are you consciousness and consciousness alone if you are something which is a living entity then give a proof to me that this yearning this simple question that it is not just a mere stone in vishishtadvaita there is a the idea of archavataram that the god is everywhere but he manifests in some places more than in other places just like light is everywhere but the way it will be reflecting in a mirror it won't be reflected in just the soil so the same sun its rays are everywhere <clears throat> but in some places it has much more brighter reflection so god is everywhere but it manifests in some some places some receptacle more than in others and there the concept that in the vigraha in all the images where the people go and worship all are worshiping know it for certain there the divinity manifests more than in other places so this concept of archavataram that it is something living sri ramakrishna has proven it is not just mere words for us it is a mere word he has proven through his life his spiritual practices and that sense of the tremendous necessity which has developed purpose he used to make him rub his face in the ground and cry that one more day has gone won't you uh, give a vision to me so this was the simple cry of a child day after day that intensity when at last he got frustrated without having the vision of his chosen deity he took the sword from the hand of the mother kali and was about to just commit suicide and then in a flash the divine vision came so this speaks of that sense of necessity that tremendous sense of necessity like a small child he had a faith that the divinity is there if you yearn for it it is going to reveal itself to you that's why sri ramakrishna used to say that faith is the basic thing in spiritual life onek janmer tapasya thakle shorol hoy that simplicity with which you have the tremendous faith that sri ramakrishna had with that without any <coughs> such support he went directly to that realization so <coughs> that's that sri ramakrishna used to say je chai she pai je na chai take baro bhute na chai if you want in this life the law of nature is such if you want something intently you are bound to get it and if you don't want you will be befooled by 12 types of distractions baro bhute na chai all the distractions of life they are going to make you dance in their rhythm but if you really have an intent focus you are going to get it the same thing the upanishads as we were discussion is that ramakrishna's life is a reflection of the scripture the scriptures are interpreted through his life you will find again in the kathopanishad it's mentioned na ayam atma pravachanena labhya the self is not realized through pravachana through discourse na medhaya na bahuna srutena not through intellect nor by hearing it again and again you cannot yame vaishya vrinute tena the one who chooses 
जे चाय शे पाय ही अलोन गेट्स इट तस्श आत्मा विवृणुते तनुस्वाम द आत्मन एज इफ कम्स एंड ओपन्स अप हिमसेल्फ टू हिम ऑल द मिस्ट्रीज ऑफ इट गेट्स रिवील्ड ऑल द डार्कनेसेस आर वैनिश्ड गेट्स वैनिश्ड एंड हिज रियल नेचर इज एज इफ रिवील्ड ही कम्स एंड रिवील्स एज इफ हिज नेचर टू द वन हु इज रियली सीकिंग सो जस्ट दस वी सी द सेंस ऑफ पर्पस कैन गिव यू द फोकस the focus gives you the medha from medha the viveka comes and that gives you the motivation to pursue your spiritual journey otherwise spiritual journey becomes a mockery or it becomes just a routine that i do engage my time in something which is good that is also good that it 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 doesn't disintegrate me that dharma has two meaning dharayate ti dharma and vishishyate ti dharma that some practices keeps me engaged in something integrating it doesn't because mind always needs something to dwell upon if you have nothing something positive it is bound to just roll down to something which is negative it has to be engaged in something so those who don't have that tremendous yearning but has adopted some spiritual practice it's not bad it gives them some integrity but there it ends as swami vivekananda used to say that it is good to be born in a church but it is horrible to die there that all these practices church means some it's not just a particular religion any organized religion that's what he means by church that all these organized religion with the prayers with some rituals it helps me to in- integrate my life to certain extent it makes me a moral being it keeps me integrated but there it ends that if god is i have to realize i have to transcend <coughs> this world of duality <coughs> that intense feeling doesn't arise in his mind so that's why he's saying that it is good to be born in a church with all this belief system you are born there is good it protects you but it is horrible to die there you have never progressed everything ended in the kindergarten itself you have never went to the post graduation of spirituality so that's why <clears throat> this this intense should lead us in the life of sri ramakrishna we will find this tremendous hunger for spirituality he has been uh, described as a spiritual glutton that it never ended with a part one particular realization that his intense yearning took him to the realization in a very short time but he was never satisfied with that he wanted to realize the same spiritual dimension through all the various paths we find that he had the tremendous that eagerness of a child the curiosity of a child to dive deep into the mysteries of spirituality through all the various paths he was never satisfied with just a particular set of practice going to the realization that's what happened with most of the sadhakas but in life of sri ramakrishna he himself used to stay sto- he used to st- uh, narrate a story the story is that a poor woodcutter every day used to go to cut some wood in the forest some firewood he used to sell those firewood and that's how he used to sustain himself and one day from the deep forest a brahmachari a brahmachari a spiritual 
uh, aspirant was passing through the forest and he saw this poor man, this woodcutter. He told, why are you satisfied with these dry woods? Well, that's what I sell. That's why I sustain a poor man. Well, he, he just mentioned, don't stop here, just in the fringes of the forest. Go deep, you will find treasures. So this uh, woodcutter, next day, went bit deep into the forest. And he was amazed, he never knew that actually it was the forest of sandalwood. The outside only the firewoods were there, but little inside there was the sandalwood. So now by selling sandalwood, he became richer. And he was satisfied. And then suddenly that the question came in his mind. The brahmachari told me to go to proceed. Charai veti, charai veti. Just move on. He has never asked me just to be satisfied with the sandalwood. Let me go still deeper into the forest. And he finds silver mine. Went still inside, find the gold mine, then the diamonds. So the more you go, the more you become enriched. So never stop. And that's the spiritual glutton as Sri Ramakrishna was. In his life we find that. He was never satisfied with just the realization which he had from his first spiritual encounter. He went on practicing one by one all the various paths. As you know, scriptures they say, Nalpe Sukhamasti, Bhumai Vasukham. Happiness is never in the limited. It is always in the unlimited. <clears throat> he broke the barriers of all the so-called spiritual uh, belief systems, went one after the other, conquering the realms of spirituality one by one. So that's why Swami Vivekananda called him Avatar Varishtha. That he is the divine incarnation who, can, who is of the superlative degree, the best. Now you may feel that it is a fanaticism. No. He, that perspective from which he is saying is something very important. That why Swami Vivekananda is designating Ramakrishna as Avatar Varishtha. To understand that, that why we call a human being the most evolved being compared to all the other animals? So there is a theory in biology called recapitulation theory. That there are various ways to find out which creature is most evolved. One of the ways this recapitulation theory. The more evolved a creature is, he has evolved. But in the process of his growth, if you study the embryology, the way he is growing, he, that creature will be uh, passing through all the stages of evolution in a very short time. Just to give, give an example, for a microbe to grow into a human being took billions of years, billions of years, so many years. But a very slow, gradual evolution it has happened. A microbe at last has grown into a human being, has evolved. But when in a mother's womb, the child is growing, if you study the embryology, this recapitulation theory uh, actually is a study of the embryology. In the embryo, you will find what? This recapitulation theory says ontogeny repeats phylogeny. Ontogeny means the present generation, the succeeding generation, it repeats the preceding generation. The preceding generation, the way they have evolved, in its journey, all the steps are traversed. 
you will find that in the mother's womb in nine months what in nature took millions of years in mother's womb it happens just in nine months from a single cell when it has just evolved from a single cell it is now evolving if you study the embryology it's a wonderful thing you will find that in the mother's womb the embryo sometime was like more like a fish it had fins it has gills which got converted into lungs it was like amphibian it had two chambered heart then it became three chambered at last it became four chambered it had a tail the tail has fallen off the entire process of evolution has been covered in that nine months the same thing happened in the life of the spiritual glutton ramakrishna the tremendous yearning not to be satisfied with just a particular way of spiritual practice made him in just 12 years what it took thousands of years for the entire humanity through its spiritual endeavor to reach all those various gamuts of the spiritual journey has been traversed in one lifetime what to speak of in one life just in 12 years he traversed that path to get established in the realization joto mot toto pot that all the various path they are all paths and as many ideas are there all them are paths which can lead you to that ultimate spiritual dimension of existence so it can lead you to that take that reality so jot so as in our scriptures it has been mentioned bhinna ruchir hi loka that we all have various temperaments a path which may be suitable for you may not be suitable for me as per my temperament is concerned so as per your temperament choose a path that will lead you to the goal as sri ramakrishna used to give an example the mother cooks a dish in five ways for five different children is the same vegetable maybe the same but the in spicing is different the way he spicing for the five children that's different someone may just want a may may not be very uh, what you say that he may have weak stomach the mother will be preparing some juice some soup for him the other child may be uh, just he wants a very spicy food for him the same dish the same curry and be prepared in a different way so the same nourishment as per the taste five different way the same uh, curry has been prepared in five different way the same vegetable has been prepared in five different way based on our taste based on our temperament so bhinna ruchi hi loka that people are of various temperament as per your temperament choose your path but that doesn't mean that the other path is wrong as in the scriptures it has been mentioned ekam sat vipra bahuda vadanti even the rishis being of various temperaments reach the goal through various path there is the same truth but they speak of it in various ways the in shiva mahimna stotra there is a shloka one of the stanzas which swami vivekananda quoted in his famous first parliament uh, in the first uh, lecture in the parliament of religion in chicago that is ruchirang vaichitrat riju kutila nana pathajusham nrinam ekah gamya tvamasi payasam arnava iva that as per our ruchi as per our taste there are various ways some straight some crooked 
but they all at last, like the river, they reach the ocean. Like Amazon, it's a very force, the tremendous force. It makes its path very straight. There are no curvatures. You know the river, why it curves? Because when the water is coming down, if the force is not sufficient, the water always will tend to uh, take the direction of least resistance. If there is a rocky terrain, it will go to the soft. But if the force is tremendous, it will simply break through the rock. So if some of the paths speaks of tremendous intensity, so they are going straight because of, some may not have that tremendous intensity. So they take all those crooked paths. Crooked path is not bad. It speaks of timidity. But gradually you are going. But they are also going. So there may be such various paths. Some may be straight. Some may be uh, a bit crooked. Crooked means not bad. Crooked means less... Uh, it, it, uh, crookedness means timidity. Less intensity. That's making the path a bit crooked. But they all at last reach the ocean. So that's the example. That's just like the rivers, some by straight path, some others by crooked path, at last goes and reach the ocean. Know it for certain. As per the variation in our temperament, we may follow various paths. Our goal is the same. We at last go and reach the infinite bounds of our existence. And that's the idea which Sri Ramakrishna, through his spiritual journey, has proven. This speaks of Samashti Samanvaya. There are two types of Samanvaya. The Ramakrishna is a prophet of synthesis. He used to say, Je koreche, shei lok. The one who has synthesized, he alone, is, can be designated as a human being. Because that is the faculty of a human being, to synthesize. But there are two types of synthesis. One is this Samashti. As per our, uh, this entire humanity is concerned, uh, the, based on our temperaments, we can choose a path. But Sri Ramakrishna has spoken of Vyashti Samanya also. That why to restrict yourself just in one path? If you have tremendous yearning, why not use all your faculties to reach the goal at a very short time? He used to give the example of a goldsmith. A goldsmith in the olden days, how he used to smelt the gold? It needs tremendous temperature to get that optimum temperature of the fire to smell gold. There was no sophistications in those days. So what the goldsmith will do? To flare up the flame, it will have a blowpipe with which he is blowing onto that flame. He is having some hand fan and in his, uh, with his feet, he is uh, just uh, uh, revolving, he is just revolving some paddle, he is paddling. And that paddle is also fixed to some fan. So he's using his mouth to blow, he's using his hand, he's using his feet. And with that he gets that optimum temperature to smell the gold. So what he's saying is something interesting. That we do have the faculty of, that we, there may be a prominence that someone say I am, I am a rational man. I use my rationality in all the fields of my life. I don't like emotion. But we forget, we all have emotion. We all have emotion, but we just simply cut it off from our life and say, I'm just a rational being. So you get biased to only one particular faculty. And that way you are harming yourself. If you have used all the faculties in a very synthetic way, in a very synthesized way, 
that could have helped you to reach the goal in a much shorter time. So that's what Sri Ramakrishna, use all your faculty. We all have emotion, we all have intellectuality, we all have the, what you say, the capacity to work. We all, have, we all have the capacity to focus, concentrate. Why not use all of them? Jnana Yoga, Bhakti Yoga, Raja Yoga, Karma, all the four you use, and in a very short time, you can reach the goal. And Sri Ramakrishna used to say that Ami I don't want to be monotonous. And he used to say that we are like a flower bouquet with so many flowers. And he used to give a nice example that if you are one-sided, music will never come out of your life. It will get only noise. He used to say that human being is like a flute. The flute has seven holes. A very uh, simple flute will have the seven holes. The one who plays the flute, he knows the art of using his fingers on those holes to bring out the music. Now, if you press all the holes and just keep one hole open and just blow the flute, will you get music? It will be a noise, just a noise. A monotonous noise will be there. You should learn the art of using the fingers to use all the holes on the flute and then the music comes up. So Sri Ramakrishna used to say, if you want the music to come out of your life, know the art of using all those holes, all the faculties, and then you become a being, which is where all the faculties has flourished. It is a full-fledged personality with all the faculties evolved. Isn't it that something much more desired? So that speaks of the Vyashti Samanya. In our individual life also, we should try to have synthesis. And of course, in the form of accepting all the ways as true, we can have Shamasti Samanya. So his realization took him to the synthesis. And another aspect of his realization is the Seva. That deep into his spiritual realization, when he came back, the spiritual realization speaks of Jnana, and coming back from that realization speaks of the state of Vijnana. It's a term which is used by Sri Ramakrishna. That when you come out of your realization, then you find the world has transformed. It is no more the same world. It is now permeating with the divinity. You, are, you become aware of the fact it is the divine alone which is being projected as the universe. So you don't see the world as world. You see the world as God. It is the God who is being projected as the universe. That's the state of Vijnana. That the world is no more the world of this name and form. It is a consciousness alone. It is permeated with consciousness. In the words of Sri Ramakrishna, it is just like <clears throat> a city made of walks. Everything is made of walks. There are so many forms, but everything is made of walks. So everything is permeated with that consciousness and consciousness alone. So when you come back from that state, then you realize that there is nothing called Jiva. Everything is Shiva. If that's the fact, then nothing remains secular. Everything becomes spiritual. Nothing remains secular. Then that's as Swami Vivekananda used to say, that there is nothing called secular. Everything is spiritual. Don't seek God. See Him. Don't close your eyes and seek God. He is nowhere. He is not sitting somewhere. And that you have to seek Him. He is there just in the creation. 
open your eyes see him i met in one of the uh, multi faith meeting i just still remember uh, as the proponent the one who came from the sikh faith the sardar ji who came from the sikh faith he told a very interesting funny thing they told that i always uh, whenever i sign my name below that i write god is nowhere and he is he is after believer in god and he writes god is nowhere but when i write it i don't give any space between the words just now it's up to you where to give the space you may give space after god is no the space and then where that's one way you can write the sentence but if you change where you give the space it becomes god is now here instead of after no you give the space after if you give the space after w instead of o then it becomes god is now here it's not that god is uh, something uh, where you can reach after your death it is not a post mortem existence here he is here just now ehiva ehiva so that's the thing in the state of vigyan sri ramakrishna realized and that's the thing he is indicating that all your activities becomes a worship if you see the shiva not the jiva and that's what the scripture says sarvam khalvidam brahma everything is nothing but that brahman and brahman alone in bhagavatam it is indicated sarva bhutamayam harim the upanishads the bhagavat even shankaracharya the quotation which we quote and that quotation makes us other worldly not taking care of our day to day worldly responsibilities is brahma satya jagat mithya for thousands of years saying that all were the what you say that the the so called the monks renounce everything without thinking of the welfare of the world uh, exclusively spend their life in spiritual practices thinking the world is mithya <clears throat> but sri ramakrishna used to say a very interesting story that when we are biased we never realize the full truth so many things we keep in the our armpit and just uh, our movement becomes restricted what is the thing we have kept in the armpit the second sentence of shankaracharya he has said brahma satya jagan mithya the next line is important jiva brahmaiva na parah that jiva is brahma nothing else that's the thing which we never gave importance to that thing speaks of the same thing shiva gyan jiva shiva shiva is jiva is shiva jiva brahma eva na apara if the jiva is brahma then you're dealing with him if someone is suffering just to uh, avoid by saying that my spiritual practices will be disturbed what type of spirituality it is that's what swami vivekananda saw in the name of spirituality extreme indifference was being practiced see the brahman he that it is a fact that the, the non dual existence which is beyond form whatever may be the reason that we say agyana we don't know is finding expression as this world if it is so try to see the brahman there and try to serve him the way he wants the service in that form and then that becomes a worship each and every activity becomes worship in a very simple words sri ramakrishna is to say protimay tar puja hoy ar jibanto manushe tar puja hoy na that you know that our religious our religion has made us such a stupid 
that when we are worshipping an idol, first we have to do prana pratishtha there. That as it is a inert image, we think that from our heart, our this prana, our life force is being installed in that. We do that visualization and then we start the worship. Because after all, it is made of stone. So the prana, which is the life force which is within me, that I as if take out and uh, I visualize that I have just implanted on it and it has become lively. Now for worshipping a stone image, you have to do that. But a living being, so there is no need for prana pratishtha, he is already alive. And just see the paradox, I can see God in that stone image, but I cannot see God in the man who is just moving around. The simple question is asking. So we can see God in an image, but we cannot see God in another human being who is full of life. So there where the religion has deteriorated. So seeing the God in him, it's not just humanitarianism. It is a worship. In humanitarianism, the idea of serving the divine is not there. The sense of fulfillment that comes from that it that doesn't is not there. It's just helping. It is not helping here. In helping, there is a question of ego. That he is poor, I am rich, I stand on the high pedestal and I give something to him. Here it is service. The poor is the form of God. He came to me as a poor man. The God is in the disguise of the poor man. It is I who kneel down and I offer it to him, whatever I have to give him. So it is not just mere help where the ego has been totally annihilated. It's just a form of worship. <clears throat> That's the thing with Sri Ramakrishna. Through his life, he's constantly trying to educate us on. And <clears throat> that's the thing which is being reflected through the scriptures. That's why we will find that we were the discussion started with that. That if we read the scriptures, we get a meaning with which we have done mistake for thousand years. It made us otherworldly. We were just meditating in the caves, forgetting about the world. Reading the same scriptures, we were doing that thing for thousand years. That's why now you will understand that why Swamiji is saying that the scriptures have to be represent, uh, interpreted through the life of Ramakrishna. Because there we find the implication where the Abhyudaya and the Nisraya. Abhyudaya speaks of collective welfare. Nisraya speaks of my own liberation. This to go hand in hand. It need not be segregated. The Abhyudaya and the Nisraya. That was the old Vedic society where we find <clears throat> that the worldly, the so-called knowledge was in no way disintegrated from the spirituality. The worldly knowledge, the secular knowledge was in no way separated from the spiritual knowledge. They both synthesized. It was a knowledge society. The word Bharata means knowledge society. Bha means effulgence. Knowledge is effulgence. Rata means one is endeavored in such type of knowledge. A society which is a knowledge society. And that's why we find in this in the olden days that there was a, that society excelled in all the field, not only just pure spirituality, even in math, science, in technology, everywhere we find that tremendous uh, upliftment was there. And suddenly in the medieval ages we find that spirituality somehow got segregated. There was as if a surgery from between the secular and the 
spiritual. They too were in a watertight compartment. To break that watertight compartment, as Sri Ramakrishna used to say, that our religion is just before breakfast. I mean, in the morning we wake up, we have a shower, we have a small shrine in our house where we go and do our prayers, so incense stick, offer flowers. We are in a very exalted mood. Come, change our dress, sit for my breakfast, and I'm a changed person. Now, whatever I do is all belonging to this world. It's all secular. My spirituality is just before the breakfast. How nicely Sri Ramakrishna is saying, Amade dharma jalojog purjanta. So to break that barrier is the life of Sri Ramakrishna is in front of us. If we understand that, that is not something new. It is the scriptures which is being interpreted through his life. If we have to understand the true import of that, we have to study the life of Sri Ramakrishna. So in his, this birthday, this, this is a part of this birthday celebration that we can really understand the, dive deep, delve, delve deep into the mysteries of the scripture through the life of Ramakrishna so that our life becomes fulfilled. With this prayer, I would like to conclude our discussion today. Thank you all. Namaskars.